Living in this age of information, a communications revolution, with the different technologies, internet, social media, smartphones, you have to wonder, what is the power of the words we utter? Do we even think about it? Please join me in this very important discussion called What You Say Is What You Get, The Power of Words. Focusing on what are we expressing? What impact does it have? And what comes back to us? Today more than ever, because everything is amplified and so quickly disseminated, this issue is more important than ever. Please join me. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we're going to be speaking about what you say is what you get, the power of words. This program is dedicated by Mark and Rebecca Belinsky in honor of their wedding anniversary on the second day of Rosh Chodesh Elul, the first of Elul. We are living in an age of information. Some call it the communication revolution. Human beings have been communicating and speaking and interacting for thousands and thousands of years. And yet, especially in the last 100 years, and even more pronounced in the last 30 years, communication has gone through a whole new metamorphosis, a whole new paradigm shift. With the advent of digital communication, we're talking now the web, internet, smartphones, social media. It's exploded. The amount of words that are written and spoken and text is unprecedented. And just not the amount quantitatively, but also the speed of how words spread. But in direct proportion to this accelerated technology of communication, are we caught up with also understanding the implications of the words we communicate, the words we speak, both for the good and unfortunately also for the bad? We see today someone can say something, post something, and then it goes viral and it can be a complete hoax. It can destroy a life, slander. On the positive side, the same is true. You can share a kind and beautiful message and it can reach millions if not billions of people instantaneously. So it's one thing when we didn't have these amplifiers, these gadgets, these uh, instruments, that can take one word 
and just spread it everywhere immediately. So we lived in towns. Let's go back before the telephone and definitely before radio and before television. What you spoke was with the people that you lived in the same city with or close to you. And sometimes that word would spread. But you didn't have anything, any technology to disseminate it. It spread either word of mouth or some ideas caught on. And there were different ways things were communicated. People wrote books. People sent mail, snail mail, literally with camels and donkeys. And of course, all this continued to develop with communications becoming more efficient, the speed of delivery becoming faster. But nothing like we've seen that has exploded in the last few decades. Like it is with all advancements, we can be living in a far more evolved and advanced age in so many areas, but the human being, our emotions, our personalities, have not necessarily accelerated to that extent. It's like when we talk about, in general, connections. Today, everybody can be connected with anyone, anywhere, anytime. But is that really deepening and rich and enriching our personal connections, our intimacy, the way we love, with each, love each other, the way we connect with each other? As some people say, the more connected we are technolo- technologically, the more disconnected we are emotionally. It's so easy today. You can have hundreds of thousands of friends and followers, millions, Are they really friends? I'm not dismissing the value of technology. It's just that the disproportion has become so much larger because we feel we're in control. When in fact, we still are vulnerable creatures. We still need love. We still need nurturing. We still need kind words. And we're hurt by bad words. So really that deserves a discussion of its own How do we catch up? How do we, in a commensurate way, a proportionate way, with all these advancements in communication, make sure that our communication is more refined, is healthier, and not toxic, and not polluted, and not destructive? You can create a whole movement today. You can incite a crowd with some social media posts but you can also change the world for the better. So this brings us back to the idea of what is the power of words. What you say is what you get. So let's dissect that a bit, the anatomy of our speech. So by the time we're approximately age two or three, some a little earlier, some a little later, we develop speech. We learn it first from our parents and from our close and loved ones, our siblings. We mimic. But there's more than just mimicking. Because if we're just mimicking, we wouldn't learn to speak so quickly. There's something inside the soul, the mystics explain, that has letters, that has words. We just don't have the tools to express them, and we don't know how to express them. And I'm not talking about particular language, because the same two-year-old can be speaking in French, if parents are French are speaking French, or English, or Spanish, or Hebrew, or whatever language it may be. That's already how you express. 
But the actual form of expression, the ability to communicate something that you are thinking or feeling, is a unique capacity to the human being. Though animals have their way of communicating, but it's never as sophisticated or complex. Yes, we've come to learn that it's more complex than we thought it was. It's not just primitive. But the capacity to write a book, to share ideas and feelings, in the way the human being can, is a very unique to the human species. But again, that's not the point of this discussion. A little context. So what is our speech? So the way the mystics put it, we'll call it the mystical psychologists, is that the human being has faculties. They're like, think of them as the spiritual limbs of the soul, the faculties of the soul, just like we have physical limbs of the body. And then we have the expression of these faculties. You can be a brilliant person, have deep emotions, and yet, for whatever reason, you're unable to express them. You could be shy, you could be untrained. You see this all the time. If you remember in school, some of the smartest kids who were very quiet, everyone thought they were stupid. Everyone. Those that weren't trained. And then you realize this person is a very intelligent person. They just don't express it well. God forbid, think of someone who may have a speech defect or is just unable to speak. That doesn't mean they're not able to conceive of ideas. So the way they explain it is that there are three forms of expression. Thought, speech, and action. Thought is expression to yourself. Speech is an expression to another. And action obviously creates something concrete, concrete as a result of your expression. And in general, in a healthy process, you begin with thought, speech, and action. You think of an idea. Then you communicate it, you share it. You get advice, you consult and then you implement. But thought itself is also an expression, because thought is not the mind. You can have a mind with millions and billions of ideas. The thought process is consciously thinking about that particular idea. Thinking of it like, think of it like an like a, um, a instrument thought that draws ideas that are there in your unconscious and bring it to a conscious level. So when you're thinking about some idea right now, there are many ideas your mind has. Thought is the process of consciously expressing a particular thought. You want to build a house. Yeah, but you can want a lot of other things. You want to build a business, you can do other things. So the thought process is consciously and actively thinking about building a house. Speaking is discussing it, strategizing, consulting, and then comes the building itself. We're focusing on the middle one. It's interesting that these are called garments by the mystics, by the Kabbalists. And I specifically use the word mystical psychology because I'm also including the Hasidic approach of taking these esoteric ideas and turning them into an applicable model, that's a model for life. Garments, because they are like garments, they're not part of the very human being. Because speech itself is just, an, is, is just a hollow instrument. What are you speaking about requires thoughts or ideas, I should say, and feelings. So a garment hanging in the closet is there for you, but it has to go onto somebody 
for it to have any impact. So you can change what you're filling your words with, but the words themselves are a form of a garment, just as an analogy. But on the other hand, that's the channel that expresses that which is inside of you. So the mere fact that we understand the process, you know, most of us just take our speech for granted. I just speak. I have something to say, I say it. Especially today, you just text it. Sometimes you regret it, so you delete it. Sometimes it's too late. Remember when Gmail, before they had the delay that you can undo your email, it just went out, and then how many emails went out that people said, oh boy, I wish I'd never sent that. So it's almost like reflexive and spontaneous. But in fact, when you think about it, speeches should be very deliberate. What you say is an expression of who you are. Now, I understand this superficial speech. You go to a grocery store, I need a loaf of bread, I need a bottle of milk, container of milk. But I'm talking about speech now in the context of what we preoccupy ourselves with, what we speak about. So we see it as something that's channeling your soul to the world around you. It's a very different way of looking at it. It's actually energy that you're giving off. And here it's more than just energy. It's ideas or feelings. One word can bring someone to life. A very different word can kill someone. There's an expression in the Talmud that says that when you speak, it's called evil tongue. You may know it as Lashon Hara. It means literally evil tongue. That your tongue is saying things that are bad about another person. You're bad-mouthing someone. Slander. Or anything, just negatively speaking about someone. You kill three people, it says. The person who's speaking, the person who's listening, and the person that you're speaking about. Because you're destroying his reputation, you're destroying his personality. Now why is it killing the person who speaks? Because you've used your energy coming out of your mouth, which is a gift given to you, which draws from your soul, through the faculty of either your intelligence or your emotions, and you've used it in a destructive manner. So like everything in life, that comes back. It destroys something inside of you. Does it kill you physically? No. But spiritually, emotionally. Is it a death that can be, that is permanent? You can correct it. But obviously the goal, is, of course, is to prevent it in the first place. But what about the person that's listening? Well, the person that's listening, you've poisoned their mind and their heart about that person. And as we know, it's like common knowledge that if you're speaking about someone negatively to another person, very likely you'll speak about that person negatively to another third person. So I'm not focusing particularly on this negative type of speech, the general speech. If in science we know today the butterfly effect, that a butterfly flaps its wings in Kansas City and that can create a typhoon in Singapore, how much more so the words that we utter? Once they leave you, they're out there in space. They have an effect. Not just on the listener. In some way they've changed the universe. Now we may not see it, we may not hear it, but today with technology we see it very clearly. Your words can be recorded. That means that's a permanent record of it. 
So why not understand the same thing on a more spiritual level, that your words are recorded in the cosmos? When you think of it that way, words are unbelievably powerful. And that's why they indeed can change world, can change people, can change worlds. In the art of public speaking, or even private speaking, one-on-one, true good sp- speaker will tell you. And as a speaker, I share this, one of the things when I, people come to me to training in public speaking and how to speak. It's not what you say alone, it's how you say it. You can say the same idea in a way that people will be receptive. The same thing can be said and you'll turn everybody off. One of the expressions I love, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Words from the heart enter the heart. The same words can be said from the mouth, from the brain. They go in one ear and out the other. And you wonder, why did that two people say the same thing and one was resonated and one didn't? Because it's not just words, it's not just ideas. It's human experience. It's the empathy that comes through the words. How much does that person care? And how much does arrogance get in the way? Even if you're saying the best ideas, can someone listen to an arrogant person? So if yes, if you're getting real estate tips, maybe you don't mind. But not when you're getting life advice. Because it's not just what you say, it's who says it and how they say it. And are they sincere? Bertrand Russell famously said, when he behaved unethically, so he said to the ethics committee at Cambridge, wherever it was, they said to him, how, you teach ethics, you're a professor of ethics, how can you behave in an unethical way like that? With a student or whatever happened there. And he responded, I also teach mathematics and I'm not a triangle. In other words, what I do and what I say is not necessarily connected with one another. Well, that also is a living example. That also teaches something to the student. You know, that one with the professor who got too busy to give his class. So he came up with a great idea. Why does he have to limit himself to that half hour or hour? He recorded his class on an audio, whether it was a recorder at the time or today, an audio file, a voice note, and had an assistant come at that time when he gave the class, and he didn't have to arrive. The students were all sitting there, and at the front table where the professor usually would stand, the recording played. The audio player was playing. And the students were expected to take notes and responsible for the material. And so it went for weeks and weeks and months and months. One day the professor decides he's coming anyway to the university. He wants to peek in and check out how his great innovation is, innovation is working. He opens the door somewhat quietly, doesn't want anyone to notice. And to his, lo and behold, to his surprise, <laughs> he's a great teacher. There's no one in the room. Every desk has an audio recorder recording his voice that's coming from his desk. So they learn by example. Well, today in the Zoom world, I guess remote learning, this is happening more often, but there's still, I hopefully, some people. The point is that we don't just communicate our words, we also communicate our behavior. When a mother or father cradled their child, it's more than just the words they say, it's the feeling. It's a look in the eyes. So to go back to what you say is what you get, 
I just read somewhere that there was a farm boy who had never seen a mirror before. A mirror, a human, a mirror that we use to, that reflects a face. Comes once to a city, invited to a home, goes into the home, and he sees, as soon as he enters, he sees a mirror. He's looking in the mirror. He's like all bewildered, so he's making all these faces. And the reflection is making the faces back to him. So he's all terrified. He comes running to the host and says, there's a little boy making all kinds of bad faces to me. So the host understood. So he said to him, if you smile to the boy, he'll smile back to you. What you say is what you get is because words are not just words. They're connectors. And they're meant for us to be able to be closer to each other, both in mind, heart, and soul. And in that sense, they have tremendous power. It's not just, I say I love you. It carries, when it's sincere, so much more. It's, in a way, expressing in a word that you can hear and listen to a feeling that doesn't have words. It's expressing the inexpressible, basically. And when it's said the right way, it is exactly like that, like the mirror. The words in the book of Proverbs, like a face is reflected in water, one heart is reflected in another. Now, when you're thinking thoughts, you know, sometimes your composure, your face, your body language can maybe communicate something, but usually it's more concealed. It is speech which is the ultimate communicator between people. It's the first place we connect with, in a way. When I say first place, obviously a newborn child connects with his or her mother through being held, through nursing, through being gazed at, through, being, through other ways that we love. But it's also the words that we say and the words that the child hears. And as we grow into adults, look at the language that you use. It's very often the language that you were told. Some people, certain words just come out of their mouth even though other people are repulsed by them. Expletives or other type of words because that's what they grew up with. They don't even think twice. And the same thing on the positive side. Words that we're accustomed to. When you hear thank you, when you hear I love you, when you hear kindness, those become part of your language. But it's not just language. It's all that that language carries. If you want to think about it, the words themselves are like the body. What they carry is the soul, the message, the spirit of what's being conveyed. And that's far more important than anything else. I can share with you, speaking one-on-one with people or in groups, or in large groups even. What people are really picking up is not just the actual phraseology. Obviously, having good words, knowing how to measure them, not to speak, not to speak too long, not to speak too short. The perfect measure, the container should fit the energy that is being that is conveying is critical. But there's a spirit between the lines the empathy, the care. Can I identify with you, with the speaker, that is? Is there trust? These are things that are far less tangible. What you say is what you get is because when you speak in that fashion, 
that's what returns to you. And when a person speaks aggressively, or even violently, when I say violent, I mean in a very angry way, that too elicits something. People may, may shrink and want to avoid this type of language. That's an effect as well. Or they emulate it in some way. You in some way have distorted their own form of expression. Now you'll say, one second, there are many times I speak very kindly to someone, very gently, sensitively, and it doesn't come back to me that way. They're angry and so on. Of course that happens. That's not always due to you. Sometimes it is. Maybe you have to find another way of saying it. Maybe you're saying the wrong words. Maybe you're not sensitive enough. But sometimes, let's be honest, it's possible the other person is just not there. They may have a lot of things blocking them. They may be angry. They may have gone through some trauma. Or they may have just started on the wrong foot. So obviously, it's not completely in the control of one person. It's two people speaking. It takes two to tango. But you have to do your part. And your part is how do you convey and channel your energy into this world? And speech is one of the key ways to do so. The power of your words. And especially today, with all the technology and the speed, and how quickly one thing, one idea, one feeling can reach so many people. So whatever you're saying is impacting far for more people than just one-on-one. So you can imagine the boomerang effect is also going to be exponentially that much greater. And I see this myself in my work. I say something. If it's something very beautiful or positive, you see the feedback. And if it's something that is negative, you also see feedback. So what I'd like to convey to myself, to you, to everyone in this context, that we have a gift, the gift of words, the gift of communication, the ability to bridge, to create a bridge and an interface between your innermost self with another and with others and with the world around you. And words, even though they may not look like bricks that build structures, but they also build things and they also can destroy things like I mentioned before. So though the words themselves are garments and channels, but we know the channels are critical. You can have a healthy heart, but if your arteries are, God forbid, blocked, that can be a big problem. You can have very good intentions, very good ideas and good feelings, but if the words that are conveying them are somewhat compromised, polluted, toxic, that has a tremendous impact. Very often we have good intentions and then it comes across the wrong way. Well, we have a way to remedy that. But above all, the gift is this. And we're blessed with the technologies that can amplify, that can disseminate a message to so many people. To appreciate that gift. You know, we're created in a way, we were not given a quota of how many words we can use in our lifetime. Imagine we had a quota, and then you ran out of it, what would happen? We're not given a quota. But that means we shouldn't squander it, and abuse it, or take it for granted. 
Every word you utter releases unique energy. So it's time to think about it. Before you text next time, before you say something, you leave a voice note, or any other way that you're communicating. Wouldn't it be beautiful if each of us took upon ourselves and said, for every text I send out, whether it's business or entertainment or just plain a plain pedestrian information that here's, we changed our appointment schedule or whatever it may be, for every one of those so-called basic uh, survival texts or messages, we would share five beautiful messages with others. Make a commitment that every day send out to at least five people a kind message. You don't have to create it yourself. You can share, you can forward. And the same thing through our voice, our voice notes, but also in person. Make that deliberate effort. Now, all of us have, I'm sure, natural ways when we express gratitude or love or kindness and empathy. But if good is good is better, not better. The more we can do that, the more the energy in this world changes. Yes, the vibes change, the butterfly effect. And kindness is broadcast and streamed. And that changes the very nature, the atmosphere and the nature of existence. Maimonides puts it this way, that you always should envision the world as being equally balanced, like the scales are equal. Every good thought, one thought, your one thought, one word, which is what I'm focusing on, one action, tips the scales and brings you and the world personal and global redemption and salvation. That's the power of a word. And what you say is what you get. What you express is what returns, cause and effect, action and reaction. Like a face reflected in the water, so is one heart reflected in another. And so too, our words that we express bring us back that which we invest in. Sometimes you may not see it immediately, but never despair. Every seed planted will ultimately bear fruit. What you say is what you get. The power of words. This is Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find a wide array of materials, programs. Please take advantage of it. would love to hear from you. Comments, feedback, questions, suggestions. We are on all platforms, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, etc., etc., podcasts. Please connect. Please share your words. And I and our team will hopefully share our words. And may our beautiful words bring that transformation. Words from the heart enter the heart. Thank you. Be well. Stay healthy. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.